This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. I have such an incredible guest today. Oh my gosh, you guys, I am like beyond honored. I have the amazing Tim Kennedy. Tim, welcome to my show. Uh, thank you. Um, amazing is a weird word. Like, like mongoloid, hairy troll, ogre, <laughs> any of those are fine. Oh my gosh, you're so, you're so humble. I mean, I love it. But truly though, I mean, you are an American hero. You are such a light. You are a voice. You are a force. I really am so honored to have you here. Well, th- thank you. Um, I-, I think everybody around me is just going to disagree. They're like, man, that-, that dude is just constantly trying to find a way to die. And uh, it just has not yet been successful. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you saying that about yourself, would you say you've always been that way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, um, before I could walk, you know, I was, I, I was second born. My brother would be walking by me. He's 22 months older. And I would crawl because I couldn't walk yet. And I would, I, I would latch onto his, his little ankles and start biting him. And I didn't really have teeth yet. Um, so like from infant toddler on, there's been a degree of reckless abandon. Um, and I'm, I'm too dumb to die and too tough to quit. So you end up getting stuff done just by just by absolute attrition. Um, but yeah, I, I have done this my entire life. Amazing. I mean, I think that's so cool though. Like from the beginning, like you're like, Hey, I've just always been this way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ironically, as I'm talking to my orthopedic surgeon, who's about to do my, my fifth knee surgery. And he's like, man, you're just, you're just one of those dudes that, uh, you're going to run it into the ground aren't you you know like pedal to the metal to the day that you die and and i I tried to paint a picture metaphorically for him like when you're walking up to the gates of heaven do you want to be driving a perfect beautiful bmw that has been you know came from a boutique shop it's been garaged it's been waxed or do you want to drive like an m1 abrams tank the track is halfway falling off you can't shoot any more rounds out of the turret. The, the Mod Deuce machine gun that's hanging off the, to the top or, or Sherman has been shot so much. The barrel is melting off. And uh, I'd much rather be the latter. You know, like that, that dude, that, that guy is definitely walk the walk and talk the talk. And, um, you know, it's just too dumb to die. <laughs> or I mean to others honestly it's like so inspiring and it's like wow some people I feel like don't even know how to get there and like here you are like just going all in every day yeah I don't I, I uh I, I really try you know on social media you know it's like you're inspiring or thanks for the energy or the positivity the vibes that you're putting out there I'm like bro, I'm not doing, I'm not doing anything. I'm just 
literally having somebody capture something that I'm doing every single day, regardless. Um, and I've been doing this since the, the day that I was born. Um, you know, and I, I, I think that's why there's people kind of tune in and, and are interested is because it's, this is not a, I don't know what they call them. Influencers or like fit celebrity Insta people. Um, <laughs> this is just like a Wednesday, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just a typical Wednesday. I mean, so do you feel like, you know, how you are and like who you are, did that come from your upbringing? Like, is that from like your parents? Like, I'm, I'm just curious because I mean, like you are, you know, to you, it's like so normal. It's just a Wednesday, but to most of us, it's like, holy shit. Like he's just, he's just, you know, he's just putting himself out there. No big deal. Yeah. But my dad is super successful. My mom is incredible. My brother and sister are, are equally successful. Um, and so my dad was, you know, a blue suit, white shirt, power tie, narcotics officer that worked for the district attorney's office um he was a on task forces that you know for example stole stole a plane full of cocaine from pablo escobar i remember going to the warehouse where there's a pallet of cocaine and my dad is standing there with an mp5 hk machine gun and um, i'm like hey dad what's up he's like hey did you go get us an apple pie from madonna inn i was like yes sir i did he's like well, where is it? It's like right here. He's like, all right, you can hang out for a bit, you know? And, um, and again, that was just like a Tuesday night. Like, uh, my dad has a machine gun. He's hanging out with a pallet of cocaine from Pablo Escobar that he stole to include the plane. And, uh, and I had to bring apple pie so they could like chill and relax for a little bit. And, uh, I did not get to, I was hoping that hand me a machine gun and I could, you know, guard, but no, like that was just part of the up upbringing you know, at 18, I became a firefighter EMT at 21. I went to the police Academy and then, uh, at 22, nine 11 happened and changed kind of the trajectory of what I was going to be doing. So obviously went to special forces and became a sniper and went to ranger school and went to elite units within special operations. And to this day, I'm still actively serving, serving as a green beret and, you know, still trying to find a way to die. <laughs> find a way to die I mean but honestly like what you know like what you have done and what you continue to do it really is so inspiring and I think so many listening are like wow he just writes it off like hey I'm just into the next thing but you know you really are like doing so much with your life and not only you know like in your life but you're serving for others constantly well, I mean, anytime that you're doing something exclusively for yourself, um, nothing good comes from that. You know, I, I, we're living in this a really tragic period where not only is there a degree of entitlement where people deserve, they think that they deserve all of these different things. And then in addition to that, you know, it's like, um, I believe like interpersonal and introspective uh, views of yourself are important and having a clear understanding of of your own assets and liabilities and balance. Those are all great things, but like at no point in the day, I'm like, do it. I deserve to take a day off. I deserve a cheat meal. I deserve to, you know, go get a pedicure. Um, for sure. If my 17 year old daughter's like, Hey dad, do you want to go get a pedicure? I'm like, hell yeah, I do. This is going to be rad. Um, <laughs> and then they look at my feet and they're like, what have you done? You disgusting beast. I'm not touching your feet, but that's a different story. Um, you know, but like, I, I think the approach and the the position if you're if the lens that you're viewing your like the 
the prism that I, that I approach life in is what can I do? What difference can I make in this one lifetime that I have here? Why stop? Why go slow? Why be little? Why do small things? Um, I don't, I, I can't, I can never come up with a reason of why I would do anything differently than the way that I do. No, but I'm obviously, I mess up all the time and I fail all the time. And I, um, you know, get humiliated and humbled by my friends and my wife and the careers that I choose and title fights that I lose and getting blown up in Afghanistan. You know, like the, the list is long and distinguished of all my failures, but I still am going to go hard into the paint every chance I get. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but you're also like so humble about sharing that. And I love that you brought up, you know, this like instant gratification, this influencer-esque culture. I mean, even myself being someone in the space, I always tell people when they reach out to me like, oh, what is it like being an influencer? And I'm like, look, for me, it's not about that gratification. It's not about, you know, how can I, you know, show off and do for me? It's about how can I serve others? And you know, it wasn't always that way for me though. When I first started, I was very much in that ego mindset of like, look at all the celebrities that I'm styling, look at what I'm doing versus now, especially becoming a mom of two and being humbled in my own ways that I'm like, no, how do I show up for others? How do I serve? And I mean, I feel like you have done that since day one. And that's a huge, you know, quality to have about yourself. Oh, I, I wish I had done it from day one. Truth, truth be told is, I, I was a piece of shit. Um, you know, when I, when 9-11 happened, it hurt, it hurt so bad and it hit home so hard as I was standing there, uh, truthfully, I was thinking, you know, it was, it was early in the morning, I was on Pacific coast. So, you know, it was, it was, it was 6.30 AM on the West coast when it was buildings were crumbling and I was obsessing over what I was going to be wearing I was top, I was ranked top 10 in the world. I was in grad school. Um, and I was obsessing about what party I was going to be going to. I had a couple of girls pregnant, pregnant. Um, I'd just been told that I might have AIDS and I was more worried about which girl I was going to hook up with at the next party. And I'm watching in real time, Americans look out a building out of a shattered window and look down at a ground at the ground that's 30 floors below them and then back inside of the building where the smoke and fire is and having to make a decision whether they're going to burn alive or jump to their death. And, um, you know, every, every time of that, those people would look inside that building in the towers and then look back outside and you know what they're thinking. Do I want to jump and die or do I want to burn alive? And, you know, countless people jump to their deaths choosing the worst the better of the two worst options. And then I'm, you know, 30 minutes before that, I'm like, do I wear an affliction shirt? Should I be wearing bejazzled pants? You know, like, uh, like what a piece of wasted human opportunity I was at that juncture. And that didn't change for years. When I first got to the teams, when I got to special forces, uh, I still thought I was the best, the brightest, the fastest, the strongest, you know, I'm getting in fights with my bosses being like, no boss, you should be sending me. I'm, I'm the best version here. And he's like, no, you're a stupid, immature asshole that needs to keep his mouth shut before I, I kill you. And, uh, you know, thank God, by the, by the grace of God, um, 
I had great leaders around me that were able to protect and guide and mentor me into, into not catastrophic failure, big failure, just not, not deadly failure. Wow. I mean, thank you for being so honest and, you know, and vulnerable to, to share that because I think anyone listening, you know, who might be failing over and over again, or might be really kind of dancing with their own ego and thinking, you know, I'm the best of the best, but why is nothing happening for me? what you just shared is like truly inspiring, but also like kind of earth shattering at the same time in like the best way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, you know, um, yeah, hopefully, um, you know, like failure isn't exclusive to famous people. Failure isn't exclusive, exclusive to athletes. You know, like while, while my failure has been widely publicized as you're watching main event pay-per-view fight tim kennedy's walking into the octagon to fight for the middleweight championship of the world and he loses you know like, yeah that sucks um however millions of people watch that i hope you enjoyed me watching you're watching me lose the middleweight title um you know two years later coming back to fight for the world title again tim kennedy walking up to the octagon and he loses his bout for the title again um that sucks you know, the uh, going into Afghanistan and getting blown up and going into Iraq and and, and failing uh, my team in ways that should have been really easy. Um, you know, those are big failures. And but failure is no different for a single mom raising a young man and she doesn't know what to do or he comes home after a fist fight at school and she feels like she has failed as a mom. That failure is the exact same as my failure. Um, there might've been more lenses on my failure, but the, the approach to ultimately succeeding is no different. Um, your approach from, you know, like I'm on, in a diet, I'm in a workout program and I fell off the wagon. I put some more pounds back on. Like it doesn't change from me not getting my hand raised in the octagon and what I'm going to get going to do to get back into to title contention. Um, it's, it's still the same business, you know, it's still, I'm going to get my ass back up. I'm going to find little tiny decisions that I can make and do the right thing moving forward. And all of those cumulative little decisions are ultimately going to lead to larger success. And, uh, you know, like I, I don't own, I don't own failure. Unfortunately, I've had a lot of it, but um, I definitely do have an approach to getting my ass back up. Well, I was going to say, you know, because you speak so much about failure, what would you tell others and myself listening who, you know, do experience failure? And I definitely even think for myself, I know I've had moments where I've let failure take over me. What would you share that you do feel like does help you to get back up? So I think these are some important pillars to a human, you know, um, just first you have to have, you have to be the best version of yourself. So like, if you're not getting sleep, if you're not getting real nutrition, if you're not exercising, if you're not, um, relationship wise being fulfilled, like you are not functioning at a high level. And if you think that you're going to be able to face huge problems and overcome mountains of adversity like you're you're fooling yourself you know you, you have to do the little things 
you have to make the small decisions of, okay, I'm not going to eat this bag of chips. No, I'm not going to go to McDonald's. No, I'm not going to go to Taco Bell. Um, yes, I'm going to put down my iPad. I'm going to stop playing video games. I'm going to get a few extra hours of sleep. Um, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to have a healthy breakfast. Um, I am going to be a good partner. I am going to be a good lover. I am going to be a good father. Um, you know, like all of those little things, even, even acts of service lend themselves to you developing who you are as a person and preparing you to be able to crush whatever it is that's going to come up to you next. And I, it sounds like a big hurdle because, you know, I just listed a whole bunch of things, but it's, it's little decisions. It's one little decision after another. And one day you make, you get 1% better, like 1%. Maybe you can't run around the block. Maybe you can't run a mile. Maybe you can't even walk a mile. Um, but you get up for the first time off the couch and you walk outside and you walk to the mailbox and back. And the next time you walk around the block. And then the next time you walk around two blocks. And then ultimately you look back behind you and you're like, man, I just ran a marathon. And how did I do that? Well, you took little, little steps. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, you just take little tiny chunks until ultimately you accomplish your goal. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's so true. It's like, it's so interesting. Everyone I speak to that, you know, is successful and has gone through their own hurdles and challenges in their careers. It's very similar in the sense of like you just said of all those small pillars that really add up. And I think a lot of times, especially because of society and where we are right now, we think that it's just immediate and we think it's instant and we think it's deserved and it's going to just be handed to us. And, and all of that just isn't true. No, it, it all takes time. It all takes work. And I, you know, I, I don't know where, how the timeline works. I wish, I wish I could like give you this diagram of, okay, if you start doing this at this point, at this juncture, you're going to see success in this ways. And a whole bunch of charlatans go out and preach poison. You know, they're trying to sell, sell you snake oil. Um, you see it in self-defense all the time. These people are like, all right, if you like, hit the groin and hit the throat. This person's going to like, you know, explode in front of you. And they're going to drop the gun. You can just pick it up. And it's like, you're a liar. You're a charlatan. You, you are literally preaching poison. And uh, it's, it's the same with the current day influencer, the current day, 15 minute fad diet, 15 minute workouts, the it's, they're all lies. You know, you, there, there is one solution and that's hard work. Uh, it's, it's belief and approach that it's belief in an approach that you can make a difference. And these millions of little decisions ultimately accumulatively will add to success. Yeah. And I love it. You said like, there really isn't a timeline. It's like for everyone, it, it is different depending on the individual and what you're doing as those building blocks to be able to create really what you want in your life and in your reality. So you're a dad, obviously, and you talked about, you know, how, you know, you went to get your nails done with your daughter. How do you feel like everything you've been through, you know, in your life and continue to go through? How do you feel like you show and teach your children? Because I can imagine they must watch everything you do in awe. Like, 
what do you say to them and, and what do they get to learn from you? Because I'm sure it's so much. Yeah. I mean, you no, know, no, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> my, my, my teenagers look at me, um, as a hairy handed scarred faced, uh, you know, like, Hey, let me show you how to do a Snapchat dad. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm going to spike your phone on the ground. If you, if you open that app again, how about that? You know, and, and my, my five-year-old son, as we walk onto the lacrosse pitch and, you know, people are walking up and be like, Hey Tim, what's going on? And we take two more steps. My dad and my son looks at me and says, dad, why, how do they know your name? I'm like, um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it is just, uh, it's just normal to them. You know, they, they, they see me wake up in the morning with my hair looking crazy and eyebrows that, you know, look like Quasimodo. Um, they, they get to see that everybody, they get to see everything that everybody else doesn't. And it's all the stuff that I wish people could see. You know, you, you, you see me at the top of a mountain and it's this picturesque sunset and you're like, wow, it's so incredible. What a great opportunity or moments of accomplishment. But you missed the pictures of my feet as the calluses were and blisters were falling off and oozing out you know you missed like the crotch rot when i'm walking in texas summer heat preparing for that hike and um i'm not sure if you've ever had monkey butt that's where you like have so much moisture in your crotch all the time for hours and hours on end you get like a really disgusting rash it happens to military guys all the time well like wow. y- you missed you missed that photo didn't you instagram you know you, you you finally see the guy up on top but you missed all of the disgusting moments that really ultimately built success and ensured accomplishment and the apogee of that moment. And that's, uh, that's what I, that's what my kids get to see, you know, but that's what everybody else misses. Yeah. Well, but so they get to see that, right. They get to see the real life moment. So do you feel like, I mean, they're of course still young and growing, but do you feel like they get to then really dive into like, who their dad is of what's not being shown out there in the public eye and get to learn from that. And do they ever ask you questions of like how they should, you know, show up in the world or how they handle their own fat failures? Like are they navigating some of that through watching all the different things that they see publicly through you? No, <laughs> no. So like, uh, I'll, I'll give you like a hilarious example. One of my, my daughters, um, freshman just graduated uh, you know, her first job is she's managing a, like a, a big, beautiful B and B in Avila, California. Um, I think it's called Chateau Nolan. And, um, she is doing the social media marketing for them. And, you know, if you request a booking, she's the one that's like talking to her dad, me, you know, has millions of followers across, you know, six different companies. And, I was trying to subtly give her some advice about some ways of better marketing things. And, and she like indifferently blew me off. You know, it's like, uh, thanks dad. I think I got this. I'm like, okay, well, you are going to do a great job. I'm so proud of you continue and sustain this hard work. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and step away. I, I literally own marketing companies and production companies that you know people pay us hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that 
And uh, she's like, no, I got this. I'm like, Roger, I'm going <laughs> to shut up now. Wow. Well, I mean, I guess that she, you know, I'm sure she's learned, you know, from you and, and, you know, just being your daughter, like how to do it herself, I guess. And the fact that she's like, no, I've got this. And she's got that confidence. I mean, that's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're also invincible when you're that young, but <laughs> true, true. <laughs> they'll, they'll learn from failure themselves. Right. Right. Failure themselves. Yeah, it's very true. I think we all have to learn failure ourselves until we actually really get it and have it click. And I know for me, it's had to be over and over again and continue to be. (laughs) Yeah, that's the crappy thing about life, man. You, uh, you, uh, there, there are plentiful health helpings of self of, uh, of failure at every juncture. Yeah. But I'm sure the fact too, regardless of your kids, you know, really like own up to it or not, I'm sure the fact that you are such a real and transparent and like imperfect dad in so many ways is probably really inspiring for them and probably why, you know, like your daughter is doing what she's doing right now because she's been brought up around that. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll see. She, she might still just be like, um, no, I don't need any help. I, I can do this myself. Uh, you know, but I don't know. I, I do wish when I was 18, I had not been so dumb and been so stubborn and wanted to do it all myself. It would have been a lot easier in in life to have, uh, you know, my dad was there and my dad was talented at everything that I was doing, but you know, it's just too dumb and stubborn to ever get any help. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a lot of us. We, we all feel, you know, we feel like we know best and we're stubborn. I definitely have a stubborn personality. It's something I've had to continuously work on and check myself. And, you know, I think, but I think like how you're saying right now, like being self-aware, I feel like that's also, you know, a big pillar in like what you create and what you allow to happen. Because if you're not self-aware, well, then you're just kind of going in a, you know, this hamster wheel that's never ending. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the benefit of the hamster wheel is you're, you're going to get thrown off or you're going to get tired, but in either case, you're going to learn. And uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like you said, you've learned so much from all the different things that you've done and continue to. I mean, what would you say, you know, from some of your failures and and from the learning, like what are some positives that you would share that you've gotten to really take away from all the different experiences that you have been through where they really probably didn't feel so positive in the moment, but now looking back, you can be like, wow, I can really take some positive things away from them and this is what they'd be. Yeah, I think, um, belief is like, wait, when, when people come and whether they're going to like a sheepdog response class and in two days, you know, I'm talking about fighting and shooting and, and self-awareness and preparedness. And there's like this daunting obstacle in front of them which is where they are and ultimately where they need to be and um you know the 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 thing that i just try to pass on is belief you know like belief that it's going to be worth it it's going to be all the struggle all the pain um is 
in the end going to be worth it? And that's a really hard thing to believe, you know, the, um, scarred hands and, you know, they're looking at things that I've done and they're like, I can't do this. And, but they can, you know, they, all they have to do is, is a few little things, little choices, 1% improvement every day. But that first is, you know, you're, you're hundred pounds overweight. You don't have to be this way, but you have to believe that in four or five, six months from now, you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, hell yeah. You know, or even better, you're going to see your, your spouse, look at you, your partner, look at you in a way that they haven't looked at you in a long time. And you're like, oh, hell yeah. I'm going to come in hot for you now. You just stand by, you know, it's belief. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're right. Belief is really hard. I think especially right now with obviously everything going on in the world and the pandemic, people are having a really hard time believing. Yeah, I mean, they're also being lied to, you know, and, and that's, that's a, that's a really slippery slope where, you know, Hey, we're going to give you $1,500 uh, as like aid, but we're going to tax $5,500 and you, and everybody you're being marketed to, you're being lied to. There's false news here. There's false news there. And like, what do you believe in? And that's a, uh, man, I get fatigued trying to, to sift through all of the lies and all of the, all of the charlatans and all of the self-serving politicians and influencers. And, you know, like if it's coming from Hollywood, I'm like, that person's a liar. You know, like, I don't care. Like, like what's going on? Good. <laughs> um, you know, like knowing that at the end of the day, you still have to go out and do the work. Nobody's going to do it for you belief that it's still going to get better and finding the right things to believe in is hard, you know, and, and, uh, something that I struggle with. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think myself too, and I agree with you, like sifting through everything can be so exhausting. I mean, even myself as someone who, you know, works on social media all the time, there are times where I have to like allow myself to say, I'm going to unplug and I'm going to detox because I need to. Yeah. And then you come back and uh, like it feels like the whole entire world was set on fire. Last <laughs> week, I put my phone down for five days and um, I had like kind of pre-planned posts that I had somebody else do on my behalf. And uh, if, we, if you actually look back last week, you'd be like, oh yeah, Tim was not there last week. I can, I can see that. <laughs> um, and when I got back, a couple of influencers that don't like me had shared some lies and then their respective audiences had um, perpetuated those lies. And by the end of the week, somehow me, Tim was a like anti-constitution. I don't like any of the amendments to include the ones that are my favorite, but evidently I don't like them. And uh, I'm like a gun grabber. I'm against freedom of speech. I'm against two way. Um, I'm a FUD. That's a, a talking head for, I was like, what the, how did this even happen? I was gone five days. You're like, you, you people lost your, your minds in five days. You've seen me for 20 years in the public eye. And then you take something out of context from five years ago, you spin it. You think that you, that you have an instance in, in where I'm speaking at a turn. You, you people are insane. You're insane. 
Wow. I, you know, that just keeps happening. Well, first off, I'm impressed you took five days off, regardless of that shit show. Good, good for you, because we all need it and deserve to do that for ourselves. And I can only imagine how busy you are. But I mean, it just keeps happening where people are getting taken out of context or taking something from five, 10, 12 plus years ago, spinning it around. And honestly, I just find it so disheartening and so disgusting. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think there's an ambulance going by. So if it, uh, oh, no worries. <laughs> I think we're going to look back at this era of cancel culture. And in the same way that we looked at them, Carthers, in the same way that we looked at people burning witches at the stake, the same way that we looked at Nazis burning books, um, we're going to look back at this cancel, this cancel culture era and the people doing it, the mob, where it's like, oh, we're going to go at this person and we're going to try and dox them and get them fired. And we're going to take Dr. Seuss books off the shelf and we're going to do it. Um, you know, Huck Finn and um, every book that even mentions anything about race, we're just going to slander and say is racist. It, those people are, are going to be viewed in that lens of the most pathetic group of people in this era. And they will go down in fame, they will go down in infamy, and they will be humiliated for the rest of their lives because they were, they were party. They were part of cancel culture. They were part of this era, this generation of a bunch of malarkey liars. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. And the thing is, it's like, you know, this, this, this even phrase of cancel culture, it's like, you know, what does that mean when you're trying to cancel someone? Like, you know, it's like, that, that is their livelihood. That is, you know, their career. That's their family. That's their foundation. That's everything they've worked for. Just because you don't agree with them. You know, I don't agree with certain things, but I'm not trying to cancel someone one way or another. And it's just incredible to me to watch people really just go on another level of like what you were saying of what you just experienced with this cancel culture and think that it's totally fine. Yeah, I, I, want, I want dumb people to say stuff. You know, like, I don't want to censor them. I don't want to cancel them. Um, I want dumb people to say their dumb ideas. And the way that you battle dumb ideas is with good ideas. You know, I don't, I don't, uh, the current day version of, of book burning is, you know, what Amazon and eBay and Target are doing, which is going and taking things off the shelves and removing it from, you know, the digital marketplace. Like that's the current day version of burning books. You don't have to start a bonfire, but you can silence a group of people by deleting channels on Instagram. You can silence a group of people by limiting how people find them. And nothing good has ever come and come from that. You know, you look back, I, you, I, there's no way Ali, that you can look back in history and be like, you know what? That group of people that were doing censorship and burning books, those were the good people, not once. And even, even the people that feel so justified, they're like, oh, you know what, we, we have to hush that person up because he is saying some really outrageous stuff and their whole entire side is cheering and, and, and celebrating the fact that they're censoring a voice. And 15 years from now, they're going to be so embarrassed. They're going to be so humiliated. And, you know, unfortunately, historically, we can see that that censorship ends tragically. And I hope that we don't get to that point 
you know, like you look at the French Revolution or, you know, you look at fascism and um, communism and socialism, like they reach a tipping point where the people are like, nope, I'm done with this. And uh, they very acutely respond. I, I hope we don't reach that point. I hope that we can self-govern and be like, ah, man, this is not okay. Both sides agree that we should not be silencing a minority or a majority just because we don't agree with them. What we're going to do is we're going to battle those bad ideas with good ideas and, um, and truth. And we're not going to battle it with fake news. We're going to battle it with real truth. Yes. Oh my gosh. Real truth. I know. I, that's so well said of like the real truth and the good ideas versus like the dumb ideas. It's like, I feel like there's so much misinformation there's so many dumb ideas there's so much censorship there's so much crap that just gets floated around 24 7 that people just buy into it like all the time and it's like if you chose to step outside of you know what you're being fed and the mainstream media and all the different things that are fed to you on a continuous basis and you actually like going back to what you were saying earlier in the show like tap into your own belief and get back to you and like who you are as an individual and think for yourself, like I have a higher consciousness, all of a sudden that all becomes bullshit. Yeah. And, and not, not absolute bullshit, but to such a degree that you look at, at these ideas and this, that cancel culture and the censorship and um, you know, the, 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 the current day technological version of book burning. And you look at these people and they're petulant children. You know, they're, they're immature adolescents. These are full-grown people, some of them with, you know, degrees and, and postgraduate degrees and, and, and successful people in politics. And you're, you're looking and they're like, you're a child. You're acting like a spoiled brat that I want to take and spank. But I'm just going to, you know, we're, we're going to sit here and we're going to look at you, continue to perpetuate this insanity, this madness. And, uh, and and you will have to unfortunately reap the consequences of what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. I know it's funny. You said that about, you know, and that grown people like having, you know, these like meltdowns, I feel the same way. It's like, I, some of the things I watch, I feel like I'm watching my toddler have a tantrum, except my toddler's tantrum doesn't last as long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I have a one-year-old at home that thinks she's five and, um, she she goes into like berserker mode she's second born and she goes on these rants these tirades and then i can open my twitter and go to the the, the senate floor and be like ha you guys are behaving the same look at that you're <laughs> acting like a one-year-old that didn't get you know the toy she wanted amazing <laughs> fascinating please tell me more about what i should be doing with my life yeah oh my gosh <laughs> So, so true. So for you, Tim, like how, I guess like you kind of answered it, like how you handle cancel culture, you just basically battle back with own real knowledge and, and good ideas, right? I mean, like, I can't, I, you know, for you, I know you're a strong guy, obviously, and you have so much going for you, but there must be times where when that's going on, like something like last week where, you know, you took the time off and chose to actually decompress and you come back to all that noise. Like, how do you personally handle that and then kind of keep yourself going because I know even for me when I've had people come at me it's exhausting yeah I mean we're back to belief right like believe that I'm still doing the right thing believe you know, like um this this one this one guy was like you know like 
I don't believe you anymore. I think that essentially you're a liar. And, um, and like, what am I going to argue? No, I'm not a liar. I'm telling you the truth. No, I, there, there's no point in doing that. But what I can do is I can continue to do the right thing or I can continue to do the hard work. I can continue to make those small decisions that people see and they can see the success, you know, as I'm launching yet another business, my sixth business this year where they're like, wow, okay. Um, there has to be some truth here. There, there, you know, there, there's no way that the proof is in the pudding. There's no way that this cake that was made was made without the necessary ingredients mixed correctly. You know, like I could take flour, sugar, and butter and oil and throw it all together incorrectly. And it's going to be a big, huge, hot mess. Or I can make, as I'm a preparing for my son's fifth birthday, I can make this beautiful Hogwarts castle with the exact same ingredients just done correctly. So true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good analogy. I mean, it's true. It's like, you just got to keep pushing forward and, and speaking your truth and go back to your belief and know that you're doing the right thing, which that is a good segue to why I honestly wanted to have you on the show, but I'm so glad we got into all this was I saw you shared, you know, recently about trafficking and what's going on in the world. And I was so honestly, I was so like, yes, thank you. Someone else in the public eye finally speaking out about this, because unfortunately it's just something that is not talked about anywhere near enough. And it's something that's become like weaponized in politics and all these horrible things. And I appreciated that you really shared like, Hey, there's so much going on with trafficking that you have no idea. Yeah. And people don't, you know, they, uh, they're looking at how it became a partisan issue that there are adults that are trafficking little kids and using them for their own sexual pleasure. How, like, I, I remember seeing, you know, in a, a variety of online, online, you know, CNNs and, and uh, MSNBCs where it was like, why are, why is the right obsessive about human trafficking and pedophilia um, trying to combat it? And how it became a divisive partisan issue. I was like, shame on you, shame on all of you. Anybody that doesn't embrace the idea, if you want to find something that is pure, unadulterated evil, it is somebody taking advantage of a young child in any form. And yeah, like even more disgusting the fact that it's it's sexual. But when when it comes to human trafficking and counter-human trafficking, like this isn't like a little problem. This is the largest human trafficking events that happen every single year in the United States is the Super Bowl. The, the largest human trafficking event in American history was, you know, the 2015 Super Bowl until the 2016 Super Bowl happened. And then that was the largest one. You know, you have successful, rich um, men traveling to a sporting event and they have money, they have time and, you know, and they have a disgusting, unforgivable hunger for something that needs to be fixed. And this isn't an easily solved problem. You know, we can't take the product off the market because there's too much of it. It's too easily accessible. You know, there's, what, 7 billion people on the planet. Um, and unlike a piece of fruit at the grocery store, and I hate to use this metaphor, but 
you're not going to the grocery store. You're walking into an orchard and the fruit is always there. And those criminals, those, those traffickers can pluck any fruit that they want at any point because there's always new fruit coming every single month. How many births are there? You know, and, and eight years down the road, how many more eight-year-olds are there that are available for kidnapping? So it's, it's an endless supply of product. So we have to have a cultural shift where we address and acknowledge this as an unforgivable, disgusting, adherent and thing that everybody unanimously, bipartisanly revokes, rejects, and you know, I'll, I'll take them to the street, I'll flog them and murder them in front of everybody if that's what it takes for people to realize that something has to change, that this is not okay, that everybody needs to address it and it's not going to get better anytime soon. It's still getting worse. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, I have to be honest. I, you know, woke up to this, the kind of the beginning of the pandemic really. And also when I became a mom and I had no idea, even working in my own industry, how prevalent it was and everything that was happening until certain people started speaking to me. And I, you know, to be honest, at first I kind of turned a blind eye because I couldn't handle it. And then I realized, oh my gosh, no, I'm a mom and I, I have to open my eyes and I have to be comfortable getting uncomfortable. And I've gotten real uncomfortable and done so much research. And, you know, I've had people on like Tim Ballard on my show to talk about our rescue and, you know, support him and, and work with other organizations. And it's just, it's incredible. The, the numbers of like what you just said and how it's literally the number one like for crime in the United States like we are the number one consumer and like it's a billion dollar industry like among billions and how people don't know this and that it's literally happening in our backyards not just in other countries but here and us being the number one consumer it's like holy crap everyone needs to wake up to this like you said and and take a stand and say like no matter what side of a quote-unquote party you're on like this can't be about a party this has to be about an actual like human problem that we all have to fix yeah and until everyone you said all until everyone unanimously addresses it and uh, condemns it and attacks the funding for it and the transportation of it. Um, you know, we have to enable law enforcement right now, like law enforcement's hands, just because we culturally are, you know, like defund the police force. Like, do you know who is fighting human trafficking? The police, you know, do you know who is really rescuing kids? The police. I know there's some really great nonprofits out there, but all of those nonprofits, they work through law enforcement to ultimately save children. So, you know, you can raise whatever fist you want and whatever color hand you want, but everybody of every gender, of every race, of every religion are being victims of human trafficking. And if you don't come together to fight this, then it's going to get worse. Yeah. I mean, so, so, so true. And so, well said. And I, I I don't think people realize like those that, you know, aren't condemning it, those that aren't even opening their eyes and are just like you were just saying, like pushing it aside and are like, oh, it's just a one-sided thing. And it's, oh, it's conspiracy and oh, it's this and oh, it's that. It's like, no, it's not like just do your research. Stop listening to certain, you know, quote unquote news sources and go and do the research because it's there and find it and understand the actual facts behind it and how it's happening and the actual 
horrible things that are happening with it. And, you know, the, the sex trafficking among labor trafficking. I mean, it's like, there's so much going on. It's like I said to my husband, you know, when I really started diving in, I was like, babe, I can't unsee anything. Like there is no closing my eyes. Now my eyes are wide open. Yeah. And, and thank God, you know, I, I, I want people to see that, you know, if that's, and, um, it's not, it's horrible. It's, um, yeah, I can't go back and, you know, I've been working counter trafficking for a decade and, um, you know, there's, there's scars, nightmares that, um, and while I wouldn't wish that on my, my worst enemy, I'm going to wish that on every American. I'm going to wish, wish that on every person that um, thinks that they want to live right and they want to live righteously and they want to live justly. I wish that they could see just a, just a glimpse of that stuff so they know how serious and how horrible it is and how badly these children need to be protected. Yeah, I mean, and you recently, I, I believe it was on your, on your on your live on your Instagram, you had a trafficking uh, victim on, I believe. Yeah, uh, we, we had an amazing young woman, she was kidnapped out of um, behind a bar. And uh, she was drugged, she woke up inside of the van with a gun to her head. And she ended up being trafficked, you know, like, raped who knows how many times she doesn't even know how many times over the course of three to four months before she was finally able to affect her own escape and um you know last year in vegas we, we had a dozen women come to our course uh, our sheepdog response course and all of those women were survivors that had you know either through law enforcement or um, their own actions were able to, to, to get out of it. And, um, you know, that, that list is in the millions, you know, it's, it's endless. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is. It's endless. And I, you know, how you were saying too, like, you know, the horrible analogy, but it's so true of like the fruit. It's also like, you know, children and, and women and people in general can be resold over and over again. Like that wasn't even something I even fully understood until I spoke with so many different people who work in it, who were like, look, whereas a drug or a fruit or whatever it may be, once it's, you know, inhaled or wherever it is it's gone but when it's an actual person they're reused over and over and over again god knows how many times yeah and, and, uh, the only way to affect change you know if, if you rescue that that one girl um she's immediately replaced immediately and while yes we rescued that one life we, we still haven't affected the demand for the product because the product is always going to be available. You know, like I, I could right now as a bad person, I could walk, um, you know, out in front of a BMW of Austin trying to pick up my motorcycle. I could walk right next door to this, this, uh, hard hardware store and snag two girls out of the parking lot. And I could do it in two seconds and they can do that anywhere in the world. They can do that anywhere in this country. They could do it in your backyard. They could do it at, at soccer practice. They could do it when your kid is leaving school, they could do it in front of, like there, there's not a place that these people don't have access and opportunity. So the only way that we can positively affect change is to, is, is to punish. And I mean, severely punish 
the the demand. We have affect the demand, and that's not just a culture change. That is also empowering law enforcement to effectively target the consumers. Right. Yeah, we have to we have to disrupt the the demand. I mean, uh, the end it movement just did a whole thing on social media all about that on 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 how we have to disrupt it and we have to stop acting like it's fine or you know ABC putting out you know a, a recent memo saying that you know they don't want to call all people you know of the pedophilia word and we're, you know we're going to change it. It's like changing these languages is just adding this ridiculous conditioning and you know just beyond dismissing what potentially or probably is actually going on and it's like we need to be going the other direction yeah but it, it will take unimat unimat unilateral unanimous agreement from everyone and who's to blame so yeah i mean i know it's but I do believe more and more people are, you know, waking up to it and are seeing it more and more because of conversations like this, because of a post, you know, that, that you shared and spoke to, you know, I do believe that more and more are questioning and are starting to understand that this really isn't any sort of conspiracy. And this is something like you said, going on literally in our backyards at all times. Yeah, but you just kind of got to keep hammering. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely have to keep hammering. I mean, it's for people to get it and to really get it, like you said, and to be able to take a stand so that we literally make all people in that business uncomfortable. That's what I've been trying to drive to anyone that questions it. I'm like, this is a business. This is not just something people do. I mean, I'm sure for sick fun as well, but it's a business. It's actually people are choosing to make money this way. And so we have to end the fact that they're making money this way and like you said disrupt the demand and you know and change that so thank you for you know your voice in in that fight because i think people like you help continue to spread that light and be in that fight yeah i'm not going anywhere um i mean in in honesty i'm, I'm opening a private school for kids between the ages of six and eleven if anything i'm i'm going to be more passionate and more um aggressive in combating this, you know, as I have teenage daughters, a one-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son, you know, and, and this is not just little girls, little boys are also victims of, of human trafficking. Um, I'm, I'm going out, you know, claws bared, violent. Yeah. Oh, I look, I get it. As a mama bear, I, I feel, I feel the same. So you're, you're opening a private school. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a lot of work, but we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. We, we opened 2021 in Cedar Park. Um, so this coming school year, we will Apogee Cedar Park and Acton Academy will be opening my private school. Wow. Congrats. That's, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you have so many businesses, Tim, and you have so many incredible, you know, ventures that you do and continue to build. I mean, it's like, it truly is so inspiring to, to watch someone like you continue to just build and create and put also just so much good out in the world as you're doing it. You know, I just want to say thank you for honestly for all you do in your service. The big My pleasure. I mean, I, I love what I do. I'm not going to do anything different until the day I die. I mean, this is I'm going to be a 90 year old, re, you know, like hairy handed troll just with a few more scars and a few more surgeries, but nothing's going to change.
<laughs> Amazing. Well, I can't thank you so much for being here in this incredible interview. Before I let you go, is there anything else you'd want to leave my audience with? And of course, tell everyone, I'm sure they know where to find you, but tell them where to find you or what you want them to check out, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, I'm Tim Kennedy, MMA on, I think, everything, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz. But, uh, you know, like belief, you know, don't do it for me, don't do it for anybody else, do it for you. And, um, it, it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference in your home, makes a difference in your community. It makes a difference in your tribe. It makes a difference in this world to be a, the best version of yourself. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tim. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Tim, thank you again for all you do in your service. So appreciate it. My pleasure. You stay safe. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes, and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.